0: Welcome to Back Talk. We are two feminist people who talk about pop culture. Um, you make it sound like we're robots. Two <laughs> feminist people. Two
1: feminist robots <laughs> here to talk about pop culture.
0: Yes. Uh, I am Amy Lamb, the associate editor at Bitch Media. And um, I'm excited about the nerds issue coming out. Yay. Yes, and if you're a subscriber, it will be coming into your mailbox soon. And it has my favorite cover. Um, thus far of me having been working at bitch <laughs> so my my in my year and a half, this is my favorite cover, and it's it's so beautiful it's um illustrated by Yoswadi Kurz um it's just it's so much fun and like so pretty, I just love it, so beautiful cover, yeah, so I'm excited for you guys to see it.
1: um my name is Sarah Merck. I'm the online editor here at Bitch Media, which means this week I have been. Uh, spending way too much time fact-checking names and details about the Hunger Games. <laughs> like, how do you spell all these characters' names? Is it Cressida with an I or an A? Or yeah, I've been spending some time on the Hunger Games wiki. Well, you would win uh, the
0: category at Jeopardy, then.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, maybe if I can retain it all. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's that <laughs> oh, is boy. like the like the the conundrum of being an editor is that like you you do invest so much time into like getting information and then. And then,
1: like, when you have to gain new information, you push out the old information. Yeah, I think of it as, like, becoming a mini-expert on something for a short period of time. And then, like, next week it's something new. You know, next week it's going to be memorizing Game of Thrones name spellings, you know? So I'm a little mini-expert on Hunger Games' uh, character lineage. (laughs) 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 This week only. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, My favorite personal pop culture moment this week... Um, is that I have been totally obsessed with this series of books by the author Margaret Atwood. Um, the series is called, I think it's called the Mad Adam Trilogy, and the last book in the series is called Mad Adam. And um, I was in New York last week, and I had a middle seat on the plane, so it was like I'm in the middle seat, It's like a five-and-a-half-hour flight, and I did not care because I had this book. And I just wow. like read the book. I got on the plane, sat down, opened the book, Did not stop reading the book or look up or do anything for the next period of time because I was so drawn into it. It's like a dystopian near future um, that's too complicated to explain. But I'll just say that it's uh, sort of the, the country is run by several major corporations who team up with pharmaceutical companies to make genetically modified foods. And then it all goes downhill from there. So, I love
0: it. Uh, I'm, I'm making the oh, that's like a very incredulous face right now. Because it sounds
1: because why? Because it sounds like our actual society. Yes. Yeah, I was That's like, what's uh, great about
0: is it. Is this is this a dystopic like near future novel or are yeah. were you reading the New York Times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my I I I loathe to say favorite. Personal pop culture moment right now because it's not a fave, but it's like a thing that I've been thinking about a lot. Is um, I'm I'm a a, a medium to biggish fan of The Voice. This is The Voice. <laughs> it's a reality TV uh, singing competition. I've made show. fun of you before yes. for being so
1: into this show, <laughs> so I'll refrain right now. But just know that in my head, I'm like, oh,
0: great. Well, the thing is that like, um I really like the show because in this, it, when they present like the competition, they they. They present it as a very like democratic. It's only based on your voice. Like during the blind auditions, like all the judges, celebrity judges, have their backs turned to the singer, and you can only judge this person on their voice. But like after the blind auditions are over, it's really about who the person is and their image, in addition to their voice. Um, But I've been known to like watch the show up until the last contestant of color is voted off, uh, or not doesn't get enough vote to stay on, because then it just becomes like. A, another boring show about white people like they really. have more contestants of color than other reality shows no that's the thing so in the first two seasons that I didn't watch um the winners were like two black men you know but uh, progressively as the show I think became more popular and more mainstream I guess I don't I don't really know what accounts for this but like the winners are overwhelmingly white so like in the past few seasons I've definitely stopped watching once all like the singers of color voted off and like in this season like that happened, like last week or the week before and it's so heartbreaking and it's like there's just so many talented black and brown like contestants and singers out there who are who get to like to the point where um, uh, viewers are voting and the viewers aren't voting them on and it's just I think it's because like the audience is made up of like maybe primarily like young white girls who vote who, who will spend the time and energy to vote and me
1: (laughs) and you're casting like as many votes as you
0: can Yeah, like at the max votes and then like my person doesn't move on and it's just like it's just heartbreaking because it's so obvious Hmm. it's so blatantly obvious like right now they're they're with the top 11 contestants and there's one uh multiracial person on there who's i think her mom is asian and her dad is white and that's it Hmm. and uh everybody else is white it's just like And you can even tell when, like, the judges pick who they want to be on their team, like, they kind of, they try to pick, like, more people of color, but in a way you can tell, like, their sway towards, like, who they think will win the show. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if anybody else listening watches the show, but I don't know if anybody else feels the way I do. But you were were once again mourning the end of
1: yeah of any people of color being on the show yeah
0: and I, i I think I might still keep watching this season because there's a really amazing singer on the show named Jordan Smith um so I might keep watching him, but uh I'm kind of bummed about it I mean this is my my thing that I get to be like superficially bummed about because there's like real fucked up shit' happening.
1: No, I think that's no, I think that's really valid, <laughs> yeah because I mean it's just I mean it's yeah, it's a reality TV show, but that in in who gets chosen for it can really show a lot of bias unconscious yeah. or overt right. you know yeah and most in lots of reality shows i'm sure there's producers who are pulling the strings who are saying like let's get the white blonde girl to win this show yes let's let's get more screen time for her right and this is maybe not as overt in terms of producers saying that but like the audience voting right. for it and also their coat the quote-unquote
0: coaches because like i've seen them pick like like a a quote prettier person over another person when their voices were about this you know you can mm-hmm. just see these things and like as like a critical watcher of these things it's it's just so disheartening to like watch it play out so obviously
1: yeah so all those things that that are sometimes invisible like manifest on this show yes yeah oh the voice this is ugh, oh, the sad voice this is the sad voice
0: <laughs> this is the sad voice <laughs> All right. So now let's get into some hot topics. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the story that the New York Times put out last week. The title of it was The Women of Hollywood Speak Out. And it's really about um, how the industry doesn't invest in women and by not having women director, right? And it cites statistics about how, like, in 2013 and 2014, only 1.9% of the directors of the top 100 grossing films were women. Only 1.9%. I
1: mean, and, as much as you hear those statistics, it's always horrible yes, every time. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. we did a whole podcast about how Hollywood systemically discriminates yes. against women and um, people of color. and But still, when I read the statistics, I'm like, Ugh.
0: Yeah. And if the Every thing is, time. and the thing is that like um, we're not surprised because like you know over the summer the ACLU of Southern California decided to sue uh, like the studios to say that like you are discriminating against women directors. Yeah, this is this is job discrimination. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this this piece is like really, it's 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 kind of like nothing new, and it's good that it's out there because then it's like it keeps telling the story that like women are not being represented um, in Hollywood. Hello, and but the thing is that like we know this, but. And I think it's valid to keep bringing it up. But I think the issue with this piece in particular is that, like, the writer Maureen Dowd went and talked to, um, I think she said, like, over 100 women and men in the industry to talk about why there's this this deficiency and to talk about how... you know women aren't getting fair play and how um men tend to mentor or uh, highlight and uplift other men who remind them of themselves you know kind of like the story the story about how like uh, steven spielberg saw a a young male director and was just like hey i like your spirit i saw this one independent film you make i'm gonna like hire you to direct this gigantic blockbuster which i think was jurassic world Mm -hmm. i think that was like the first story and the beginning of the piece um so i'm reading this piece and 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 i know that makes really valid points about like the lack of women in Hollywood. But my um my problem with pieces like this where we talk about like uh the lack of women here and in whatever industry is that like women is used as a blanket statement and oftentimes it's used to talk about it's it's saying white women without saying white women.
1: Yeah, I think that this piece really um does does something very well and it's cool to 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 hear and see from so many different women. Um, and they have photos of a lot of the women in Hollywood who they interviewed, and it's mostly white women. And I looked, in the in the whole piece, the word race doesn't come up once. Yes. Um, she did write
0: once about how, like, there was literally one line about how it's, like, mostly white men.
1: Yeah, well, I actually love this quote from um, Dee Rees, who, who's a director. She directed the film Pariah, um, and she had one of the strongest interviews in the piece, I think. Um, she's a black woman herself, and it took her... 12 years to get two features made, which points to that systemic problem of women who really, really want to work in the industry, who are very talented. It's like a huge uphill battle to just even make one film. And anyway, so Dee Rees, who directed the film Pariah, um, she said, We don't get the benefit of the doubt, particularly as black women. We're presumed incompetent, whereas a white male is assumed competent until proven otherwise. For buzzy first films by a white male, the the trajectory is a 90-degree angle. So for them, you know, it's a straight shot to to making their next big feature film. For us, it's a 30 degree angle. So I think that that really speaks to a lot of the issues that are going on here, tying in race to part of that systemic discrimination against people in, in Hollywood. But that's one of the rare times in this piece that race comes up at all that is literally the only time (laughs) time.
0: (laughs) where um one of the people she interviews speaks on this i mean like oftentimes people point to like shonda Rhimes and how she's so successful and but if you really think about in the world of Hollywood, like Shonda Rhimes has a handful of really successful shows on television, but there's, but she's one person and she often gets as to be like, Hey, look, she can do it. But in, in the land of TV where there are like hundreds and maybe thousands of shows, you know, like to have one successful black female showrunner is not enough. And also there's no f- like film equivalent of a Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. And so when you read a piece like this, it's like, like, call a spade a spade. Like, if we're talking about, quote, women, we have to be very specific and say, you're writing about white women here. Like, there's this quote from Lena Dunham where she says um, in this piece, women shouldn't be having to hustle twice as fast to get what men achieve just by showing up. Like, this quote, it's true, yeah, women shouldn't have to do this, but like, what about women of color who who maybe have to, like, jump, like, five times as high in order to achieve what Lena Dunham has, Mm -hmm. right? So, I think that pieces like this are useful, but but if we're going to like really um, like tear down the structure of how Hollywood is run, we can't just talk about it like just on a gender base or just on a race base. We need to talk about it in a very intersectional way. Like definitely while I was reading this, my white feminism alarms <laughs> were triggered <laughs> because I just kept thinking like 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 where like we talk often about how women's stories need to be told. But like when we say that, who like what kind of women stories, mm-hmm. right, like. Yeah, and
1: cent and centering on those stories. I right. mean, in this case, like there is this quote from Drees in the piece. It's there. It's pretty far down in the piece. You really have like yes. to dig into it. So I think this could have been. I think there's a missed opportunity here to to center the discussion on like on um on race as well as gender as well as other forms of ability. So um it's not just about gender. So it's like it is in there, but it kind of feels like oh yeah, and there's race. Yeah.
0: So- like like an afterthought. <laughs> yeah. Like Maybe like uh. I'm just, like, projecting here, but maybe, like, Maureen's editor was just like, hey, <laughs> do you think maybe you want to include just, like, one person of color talking about being a person of color in an industry? And so this piece came out on the same week as um, The Hollywood Reporter released their um, their roundtable issue. And so The Hollywood Reporter is, like, this this magazine that I think it's, like, a very industry-y type of magazine. And so every year they put together these roundtables where... Um, like projected Oscar winners uh, will go and like sit around and like talk shop kind of deal. So these aren't even like people who are going, who are for sure going to receive a nomination. These are people who are like trying to create buzz so they can receive a, like a nomination. And on the newest cover of The Hollywood Reporter, it's just all white women because this is what ho- The Hollywood Reporter projects. These are the women that um, will receive a, a, an Oscar nod. And and it's just it's like in this day and age, like to see a cover like that, it's just ugh, it's just so deflating. And then to get to sort of like get ahead of that story of like, hey, we we know that our cover is full of white women. Um, they actually uh, an editor there actually did write a piece called Why Every Actress on the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable cover is white to talk about like the politics and the money behind um, how like actors sort of um, go about like pandering for votes, I guess. And I mean, this piece is kind of like, an apology, but not. You know, it's kind of like it's acknowledging that, like, hey, we have a systemic problem here where we don't give women of color enough, like, good roles so that they can be recognized um, by the academy. Instead, it's just saying that, like, hey, whoops, like, there aren't enough good films with women of color in it. Like, and, and in a way, I completely refuse to believe that because um the Oscar nomination process is so fueled by big studio money. So if we are only ever looking at big studio films, like, and ignoring independent films, which may have more stories by women of color, like Dee Reese is an independent filmmaker, um, then maybe we could find women of color actors who uh, could be in Oscar contention.
1: Yeah, I think that really ties into, I mean, it's just this idea of like who is on the list to, to be considered, you know, whether it's the person, the people who are considered for awards at the Oscars or Emmys or considered for the job of director or the job of film writer or the job of lead actor. And overwhelmingly in the film and TV industry, who is on that list is white dudes. And so I think there's an opportunity here when you're saying like, hey, let's with, with the Hollywood Reporter, we're going to have a, an issue where we invite people who are sort of buzzworthy actors who might be getting nominated. There is definitely an opportunity there to invite uh, people of color who have been in films in the last year and say, hey, be on this list of people who might be nominated. You right. Know? There's like, and a- like reach and like and like push for that rather than just being like well we don't think that anybody would vote for them so we're just not going to do that right
0: it's like there's kind of like a logical fallacy because the hollywood reporter is trying to say um these are the people who are in contention for the award but yet they're highlighting those people they're part of the machine that like that promotes the people who are in contention so if they were to promote like less talked about people but equally talented people um, who are you know often not highlighted then they could be uplifting people of color mm-hmm. but instead they're just kind of like going with the flow of status quo and being like kind of like the shrug emoji like oops, oops. oh well, here are all these white women who are like the best actors this year and it's such bullshit
1: well and that's kind of the, I think that really speaks to what D. was saying about like for white guys in the industry once you get A little bit of success it's much easier to get a lot more success and for women of color particularly that's a much harder road that even if you're oh you're a talented actor well but you're just not right for this or no one's gonna vote for you it's just a harder road it's a it's it's not as uh, quick a trajectory to success because in part because of I think people's biases uh, both individually and system-wide over who they consider uh, worthy of applause The next thing we're going to talk about is
0: Thanksgiving. Surviving. (laughs) Surviving Thanksgiving. So first of all, uh, my caveat about Thanksgiving is, uh, I I think I can speak for both Sarah and I, that we both recognize that this is a holiday. That's that's history is uh, full of um, colonial fucked up-ism. And... uh, and all the messed up shit we learned in school about this, like, fairy tale of pilgrims and Native Americans gathering together to have a feast um, is a big, gigantic textbook of lies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in recognizing that, like, it's it's still somehow, like, even for me as, like um, like, a first-gen American, like, it's still like a, a holiday ritual where you still get together with people.
1: Yeah, I think it's both really important to recognize that history and think about it and study it um and then I also think it's it's good to take a day of your life to eat a bunch of good food with your friends or your family and discuss things you're grateful for I think devoid of any context this would be my favorite holiday because you just like sit around eat whatever food you want and talk to people about sincerely what you're grateful for in the world (laughs) um But it's not devoid of that context. So I think it's good (laughs) to both study it and read about it and then um, take a day to do what you want with it. Yeah. Um, Well, we wrote down some ideas for taking care of yourself during the holidays. This applies to Thanksgiving as well as any holiday, really. Uh, There's a bunch coming up. And it can be really, really stressful. Yes. It can be stressful in so many ways. Yeah, Especially since, like...
0: Uh, oftentimes we have to maybe revisit people that we maybe don't like, but because we're like related.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Dealing with family can be really stressful. Dealing with getting a whole bunch of work done before the end of the year can be stressful. Um, I think all the burdens of like you have to craft this perfect holiday celebration can be really stressful. It's kind of like, I don't know, people go extreme on Pinterest. (laughs) (laughs) And you can feel like, Oh uh, my house isn't nice enough, my food isn't nice enough, my table's not nice enough, my clothes aren't nice enough, my body's not nice enough. Ah! So I guess so we're doing a like a,
0: a back talk advice corner.
1: Yes, back talk advice corner. We <laughs> both have five uh personal tips for self care during the holidays to share uh that we use ourselves to feel good. You wanna <laughs> start or should I? Sure, I can start. Okay, go. Um I think we should do one and then I should do one. Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay. Uh, I kind of have six. Okay. I I also have seven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I said we should do five. So... Okay.
0: I'm going to combine... i going to squeeze the last yeah, two. I'm going to okay. combine my first two because they're kind of uh, the same. So... um, So real talk. Sometimes I have to spend time with people I don't... I, like, don't like. And if we... If I didn't have to be there for whatever reason, I wouldn't spend time with them. So I have to, like, uh, exercise this skill of mine, which is I just ignore things when like uh, somebody says something really fucked up or problematic or or i pick my battles Mm. because it's like it's just sometimes it's for me it's not worth you know creating this gigantic drama over when people are getting together and also like it's not the time or place for me in particular to like call somebody out on their like racist or misogynistic behavior depending um, on how severe it is um like I'm trying not to give too much away about my personal life, but there are instances where, like, it's really not my place to say anything, even though, like, I'm just, I'm, like, taking it in. Uh, So in those situations, I just, like... Literally, I have, uh, like uh, you know, like when you, you, you take your pet home from the vet and you have to wear a cone, I'm wearing a like... A cone of silence? Yes, I'm wearing this cone where the things that you're saying are getting deflected outside of my cone. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy like the sweet potato pie I made.
1: Yeah, I think, I think pick your battles is really good yeah. advice because I personally like wish I had the perfect response at all times. You know, like when somebody says something kind of screwed up, I wish I could be like, well... Ha, da, 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 da. And now your mind has changed. <laughs> but like it, <laughs> it just doesn't, like doesn't happen like that. Yeah. You know. So and sometimes uh, you can really say something that really does impact somebody in a moment like that, and it's and it's really a positive thing and helps um, improve the world. And sometimes it's just not your job, and it's not going to work. And you just have to deal focus I'm on not being that, good yourself. Yeah,
0: I'm not that graceful because oftentimes when that happens, I just, I'm so angry, I will say something really mean. <laughs> so that's why I have to, like, not
1: say anything. Sometimes when I say something like that, I have to, like, I do this, like, a thing where I'm, like, breathing. I, like, breathing have, is good. I have, like, thoughtful breathing and then I try to speak in a really level voice so that I don't yell at anybody. But then I sound like a robot where I'm, like, <sighs> well... I disagree with your point, and here is why. <laughs> I just speak like in a really uh, artificially even tone because otherwise I'm going to like fly off the handle. <laughs> okay, my first point of self-care tip is um, I don't have anything to prove, Oh, which is relates really where I don't have anything to prove around um, making the perfect holiday celebration. You know, I don't have to prove to my friends that I am successful in some way because my Thanksgiving table looks just like Martha Stewart's. <laughs> it's not going to. Um, I don't have anything to prove to friends or people in my family um, who don't appreciate the work that I do or think that I'm a weirdo mm. or think that I'm a freak or think that I'm totally mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a hard thing for me to learn, being a weirdo that I am. <laughs> it was just, like, really wanting everybody in my family to, like, come around to that idea and be like, you're you're great you know what we're totally different not the same political beliefs but like you're great and that's just not going to happen so instead of like seeking that approval and then feeling frustrated when and bad about myself and mad at them when it doesn't pan out I just have like you just have to to sort of quit and be like I don't have anything to prove to you I like who I am Mm -hmm. I like what I'm doing I think it's worthwhile.
0: Sarah, I, I appreciate
1: your work. Oh, geez. Yes.
0: <laughs> and really, like, my appreciation, my appreciation for your work is really all that matters.
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, okay. I need mean, I to just go to my second point because yeah, it totally sure. ties into that, which is that you should celebrate. You should make time and find a way to celebrate with people who really get you, um, whether that's having a buddy you can text funny, horrible things that happen. During oh my dinner. God, that's happened
0: to me. Yeah. I went to can, the bathroom and I'm just like hyper texting. Like,
1: Yeah, <laughs> you need somebody that you can either go to the bathroom and text like, oh my God, you won't believe this racist thing that just happened. <laughs> or, and or like uh, find some time to like hang out with people that who, who really, really get you. And maybe that's your family and that's awesome. Maybe that's one person in your family and that's awesome. Maybe that's your friends that you like, you know, have your day after Christmas celebration with? So, on the flip side of that, of like
0: spending time with people who get you, um, one of my other self care tips is to nap. Ooh, yeah, I like (laughs) that. Like, throughout the day, like if you're, you know, at a place where you can nap, or um so that you can just be like oh i'm just getting tired so then you can like literally just block out the world or if you don't have the space to nap just get lots of sleep beforehand cuz at least you're not like sleep deprived and cranky if you're encountering like difficult situations so and it's a holiday time so theoretically you can get a little more sleep in you're not like getting up early to go to work or something hopefully maybe
1: well that yeah that actually points to another point of mine okay so point number 3 I just wrote down isolation hoodie and headphones, <laughs> which is this thing that I do where I'm a textbook extrovert. I love people. I feel better when I'm talking to people and around a lot of people during the day. Um, but at some point, and especially around holidays where, like, it's really socially draining and I'm putting a lot of emotional energy into talking to people and making, trying to make people feel good and thinking about what would be a good presents for them and making a bunch of food, I just have to put in headphones. And put a hoodie on and isolate myself in my little space and go around that way. And that is totally a fine and good thing to do. So, like, find some some way or space to, like, be by yourself and feel good about that. And don't be like, oh, my God, I'm an antisocial cretin because I don't want to hang out with my family 24-7. Like, that's fine. Do you, I wonder if you look like an angsty teenager when you do that. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, kind of when whenever I go back to my parents' house, I feel like I revert into angsty teenager mode. <laughs> Whatever it is about, like, being around my family or being back in the house, I get, like, I, I, I arrive there always with high hopes of, like, you know what? I'm an established, mature, professional human. And then I get there, and, like, three days in, I'm like, ah. Everything sucks. I'm going to put on my headphones and my hoodie and like go for a walk. But it actually really works getting away by myself for a little bit um and listening to good music and just feeling okay about being alone uh is a way to rejuvenate.
0: Yes, actually so that's a segue into uh one of my tips is to actually to go for a walk. So before um our beautiful dog passed away, Jack, um cuz we would bring him on our trips with us, I would just be like, "Oh, I'm taking Jack for a walk." So I had a, like an excuse. Um Especially when I was with a certain family. <laughs> I can't even, like being all cryptic. But, but, the, but the, the thing about the, oh, I'm taking the, this animal for a walk, my pet for a walk. Is that like sometimes people want to join you for the walk. And then it's just like, oh, this is supposed to be my alone time to like just chill. But now I'm having to like engage in conversation. Um, so maybe I need to like use your tactic and just sort of be like, I'm going to go for a walk right now. Because it's hard to, to say you're going to go for a walk and be like, <laughs> nobody join me.
1: I like that. Okay. My point number four is be generous, especially to, um, retail people and service workers during the holidays and be generous. I think that has become like, like a consumerist message of like Macy's is like, be generous buy the sweater. And I don't abide by that. That's hijacking the word generous. I think genuinely be generous. So like, um, be, forgive people for small things. They do be nice to yourself. Um, Just in any in in any case, you can like choose generosity, and especially for me, I try and do nice things for people who are working during the holidays. And so, I traditionally like make cookies and give them to my favorite bartenders and people who work at my favorite movie theaters and stuff like that, so that that's not creepy. Is it creepy? (laughs) Well, they're like I don't think it's creepy.
0: Well, I mean. as somebody who's worked retail and service industry stuff, I might not eat that food if somebody mm. brought it to me. But if you're like a regular.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm a regular. Okay. I don't just like go to a random bar and be like, here's some cookies I made.
0: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> like, your life, Sarah.
1: <laughs> my life is I go to pretty much the same bar all the time. <laughs> so I think it's nice to give them a gift during the holidays.
0: That is really sweet and thoughtful. Um, it reminds me of when my, my my uncle, who is still a mail carrier and um how, like, during the Christmas times, he would come home with tons of boxes of seized chocolates back, mm-hmm. back in the day when he used to deliver this specific neighborhood. Because, like, all of his, um, the residents at his, you know, his route, like, really appreciated him and got oh, him that's boxes of really nice chocolates. Like, just things like that to remind you, like, it is a season about giving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, my last tip is kind of tied in with your headphone and hoodie thing is to bring a book. Mm -hmm. Um, because, like, you can sit in a room with a ton of people you don't want to talk to and just read your book and, like, be physically present, um, but also be engrossed in another world. And then it's, like, it's one of those things where um, you can also, like, pretend like you're reading and then eavesdrop in all those problematic conversations without having to engage um, I found it great for me because because um, then people will see you uh, reading it they can't this is so antisocial but they can't join you in the reading right like if you're oh, yeah. watching a film on your phone or your or your um, tablet they could be like hey I want to watch too or something but when you're reading a book it's like hey I'm engrossed in this world I'm sending you a message like I kind of just want to keep reading and you guys can keep gossiping
1: that's, really, that's a really good idea. I like that. Okay, I'm on point five, but I actually wrote down three things, so I'll <laughs> okay. just read them aloud. <laughs> Swish them together. All, these all just relate to me. I don't know if other people do this or find it helpful, but here's... Uh, during the holidays, I always try and make art, make some form of art. It just feels really cathartic and good to, like, actually make a thing during uh, the time when I have off from work. So I always make an art project um, to give to friends or to hang on my wall. And then I clean, I clean house... So like I clean my desk off at work. My desk is like a trash pile. Whoa! My desk is a trash pile. Okay, I'm waiting for your holiday (laughs) clean desk. I have not seen it. (laughs) Um, It lasts for about one day, but it feels good to clean and like like I clean the bathroom and like I clean my whole house um, because it just feels good to be like okay, uh, starting afresh. And I think along similar lines, I wrote down be proud, and I really try and reflect on what I'm proud of from the last year because I usually get to the end of the year and I'm like rushing, rushing, rushing. I'm like, I have to get all this stuff done and like, and then I have to get like buy presents for people and I just am like, ah, totally overwhelmed and I'm another year older and it's the end of the year. So I think it's good to take time to reflect on what you're proud of that you did in the last year. Uh, maybe it's social stuff. Maybe you're proud of the friends that you made or I'm proud of like the community that I have um, and I'm proud of some of the work that I've done. So it's it's really important to me to like, pause and reflect on the stuff that I'm proud of that I've done in the last year and the people that I've met as well as rushing to get everything done and yeah
0: I just realized that a lot of your tips are about like um sort of celebrating the things that you have with Mm -hmm. your friends your community with yourself and a lot of my tips were about being like antisocial and
1: (laughs) and not engaging
2: with people well you know what I mean
1: I think it takes both I think as you're As you're not engaging with people that you don't want to engage with, it's important to also feel good about yourself and feel warm about yourself. And so you're not just like, I'm blocking you out. You're like, I'm blocking you out. And I feel like a worthwhile human who does good things in the world. Yeah, I just don't want to concern folks. I I have
0: very loving people in my life who I (laughs) I love spending time with. So (laughs) just FYI, even the problematic ones, I still love them. um, Because, you know, for whatever reason, I still love them. So yeah. just don't worry about me i guess <laughs> we are at the part of the show where we talk about one thing we're listening to one thing we're reading and uh one thing we've watched so i can kick this off by talking about this um really awesome documentary that i just watched called twinsters um it's made by a korean-american actor her name is samantha Federman. Um, who was she's also a Korean adoptee and she grew up in the States in America. And uh through like all this happenstance, uh, she discovered that she had a twin who's also an adoptee who grew up in france wow yes so it's a really like touching sweet documentary um and uh there is even a little bit because it's like it's not like a like a hard rigid look about like the adoption industrial complex or anything like that of the sort it's just about a really like um like serendipitous story about two twin sisters who find each other and like instantly just like are are like best friends are and like love and care for one another. Um, There are, there is like a little piece about like um, the pain of adoption or being an adoptee. And uh, this is streaming on Netflix. And I was watching this while I was like on the elliptical at my community center fitness my community center like fitness room or whatever and i was like trying so hard not to like full-on cry yeah because it's really touching and um crying at the gym is a special kind of crying yeah and i've done it a few times (laughs) i need to stop watching shit that makes me cry at the gym so it's
1: on it's on netflix yeah it's
0: streaming and like this is also one of those movies i think would be nice to watch over your
1: thanksgiving break um so that's such a cool documentary it's called twinsters and it's on netflix that sounds great i'm gonna look that up um, I read this really great book this week that just came out. It's uh, called Beyond, and it is a sci-fi queer comics anthology. It's so cool. It's a self-published book um, from it's from Beyond Press. That's published Beyond. Um, it has a whole bunch of contributors who uh, are all queer people doing an illustrated take on sci-fi. So it's um, a bunch of different stories, mostly on like different planets and in the future. Um, that are all comics, and it's so fun to read and just looks beautiful. So you should just Google it. It's uh, Beyond Press, and the comics anthology is called Beyond. I think it'd be uh, a really fun book to read and to share, too.
0: Right. Okay, so what we're listening to, I wanted to talk about um, this record that was reviewed in the newest issue of Bitch Magazine, the Nerds issue. Uh, It is a review written by Stephanie Wong Ken, uh about little sims and her new record a curious tale of Charles and persons um so she describes the record as being like a blend of rap and r&b electronic music percussion instruments and uh, being kind of like experimental hip-hop like a tinge of ex- experimental hip-hop um and saying that her let's see and saying that little sims bold approach and confident flow makes her debut album a sure sign of her coming reign. Um, I listened to some of the tracks, and they're so good. They're really fun, um, but also, like, moody. Um, and she also has, like, a great flow. Let's hear it. Yeah, we're going to listen to Wings.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening back to us. I was strong by identifying the same flaws. Fighting each other with battling for the same cause. Let me breathe. Ain't got the time to be your enemy. That shit is draining and taking up too much energy. I'd rather invest in something. That's why The time is precious. If it seems to waste it, it's something that you'll never see. Hold me to it. Everything is just a memory. It's getting more distended. Never more decent. and I remember I'm not fucking about Getting more vicious than ever Are we find, as long as I got my head up? Brief. I ain't prayed in a minute Before you judge me Hold that thought and let me finish For a long time I thought that praying Was just asking for things like The road to riches and diamond rings But now I know that I just gotta be thankful Blessings every day Shit I've got my hands full Lessons every day I'm learning from all angles Mom, stop stressing over shit That I'm gonna handle Don't you know Don't you See me know. got you I ain't even got to say it The album's here hope you love it hope you play it you knew this, will come, I know you prayed
1: Hey podcast listeners, have you noticed that we don't shy away from tough conversations and that we cover just about every topic you can think of? That's because as a non-profit, independent media outlet, Bitch Media is entirely supported by thousands of folks like you, not some big corporation or a deep-pocketed donor with a hidden agenda. If you love tuning in each week, Please pitch in at bitchmedia.org slash podcast and be sure to mention propaganda or backtalk when you donate. Thanks for listening to Backtalk. This podcast is hosted by Sarah Merck and Amy Lamb from Bitch Media. The show is produced by Alex Ward. Thanks so much.